0: It wasn't so much when the trouble started, it was when I found a forced escape that made me feel good. And I would have been about five years old. Going into the back of a shop, locking myself in the storeroom and eating postman pass sweets. No comprehension of a drug at the time, but that's inevitably what I found. 20 years later or so, or 10 years later, or whatever it may be. If you got sexually abused at the age of 10 to fucking 13, and you didn't know what the fuck was going on. And you found something that made you feel good because you felt guilty about it. What would you take? Because I didn't know what else to fucking do.
1: For years, my parents told me that my brother Matthew was on holidays. He would be gone from our house for months and sometimes years at a time. One day, I found letters that my mum and Matthew had exchanged. They were addressed from places called Mountjoy and Cloverhill. They sounded like lovely holiday destinations, I thought. But my parents had lied to me for close to 15 years about my oldest brother, Matthew. Maybe it was to protect me for fear of history repeating itself. But maybe they were ashamed. But I was curious about him, and I wanted to know more. I grew up in a standard middle-class home with my parents, Alan and Marie, and my three brothers, Kieran, Alan and Matthew. None of my friends knew that I had a third brother because he was never around and often questioned his existence and my sanity. I always knew that Matthew was a bit different. It was his mannerisms and his attitude towards life. I felt like there was more to him. This is the first time that Matthew and I had spoken about his past and discussed what the future might hold for him.
0: You know, I suppose when I was born I would have grown up in Ballyfermint and my nannies and having four older uncles in ten years was the closest gap. Everybody talking about, don't say this to the police, don't say that, tell them nothing. So society would have having a big impact on how I developed. And then eventually, the age of six moved to a private stay. But it wasn't like Ballyferma. It was the type of people that I thought were fucking idiots. They were stuck up to me. The type of people I would have robbed
1: It was in this apparent safe surroundings of the private estate where Matthew would face the biggest demon of his life. His abuser lived only minutes from where our parents bought their home, the home which I still live in. After being abused, Matthew turned to crime and drug abuse as a way of escaping reality. This resulted in him being incarcerated within the Irish Penal Service for ten years.
0: Well, I walked in a scared, a stone, 17 17-year-old heroin addict, that had been using needles for two years, injecting heroin. And for the first time in my life I was brought and put in a building and had no drugs, no family would come up because they couldn't understand what had happened. It was only when I was 18 I'd said to my mother that I was sexually abused from the age of 10 to 14. And in a way, She didn't get relief, but she got understanding that I wasn't just a bad fucking penny. That there was excuses why I had that hatred. When I got locked up, I drew out maps of the area, how I was going to torture him, chop his fingers off, burn him, bring him back to life, keep him on morphine, keep him going for a few weeks, constantly taking pieces of his body off. So when you're in that frame of mind and you're thinking of scalping people and you're getting pleasure and you're getting a fucking sick kick out of it, It's a very fucking dark, dangerous place to be. For maybe the first two years in jail, I was very violent. Um, And before I got locked up, extremely violent.
1: Matthew directed his burning hatred for his abuser towards others. I was trying to sympathise with him. He had had this unthinkable evil happen to him, but he too subjected violence and hurt onto others in return. I didn't understand why he wanted to pursue a life of crime after what he had gone through.
0: From me being abused, my actions affected others by robbing them, mentally torturing them, because it got me away from how I felt. There was a sense of power and control when I'd rob people, or mug people, or control them through fear, robbing them. So I personally believed that I tried to take control, but in the wrong way.
1: Matthew reflected on some of the crimes he committed.
0: It was Christmas Eve, I was at the town of New York for the biker, I stuck a syringe in his head, when I was 15. And I took his mountain bike. But when I was 17, I got two years for it. That child that I took the bike on, that man now could still be traumatised as a result. And I have robbed hundreds of people, and I'm not proud to say that. You know, like, where does the effect stop? of me doing wrong in my addiction, it doesn't fucking stop. And like I'm in a college, and I must have robbed about 600 students. That's 600 people that I mentally fucked up. Then their mothers and fathers, and their brothers and sisters that are worried about them then. I went down to two blokes, and sold them something that was meant to be spared, a drug, and eh, uh, basically forced my way into the house and took alcohol and was brought to the police station and in effect four years later was punished in jail so that was the first time, my first experience of being in a police station was for a horrific fucking type of crime at such a young age and yeah, I didn't realise how dangerous it was the crime I was committing you know, karma's a bitch I didn't get away with fuck all. I've done some stupid fucking things. Fucking robbing a chemist. And not covering me bleeding. Registered motorbike. And not covering me license, like. Robbing two Germans. bring them to the bank and showing them me motorbike. And saying, what you think of me new motorbike? Fucking hell, man. Talk about Ireland's dumbest criminal. You know, I can talk about all the different times I went to jail. But really there was probably only three times. One was for nine months, one was for six years, and one was for five and a half years. And in between them times it was only about ten months spent though. So ten years in jail from the age of fucking 17 to 27. You sort of grow up my boy into a man. And then you learn another way of living. But then you get out. I had a suspended sentence for four years. And for two years I was on probation. And for two years I had to go to the bridge project which is for high-risk re-offenders. And fuck, I didn't want to go to that because I was in the training unit, I was drug-free, I was at the main took out of a fucking treatment centre to be given that sentence. I eventually got drug-free at the end of it, tried to break away, and yet the system, for two years, had me going back to this programme twice a week with a load of fucking addicts that were using drugs and criminally active. What am I going to do? I'm in a barber's for long enough, I'll get my fucking hair cut.
1: After he was released, Matthew struggled to reintegrate back into society. He felt lost having been living within an institution for so long.
0: Has jail benefited me? No fucking institution lawyers me. It helped me, it saved me life. I would have been dead, or I would have killed someone, or done life. But yet when I got out of jail, up until two years ago, for eight years after being out of jail, every single day, not one day went by where I did nothing to myself. I would give anything to be in jail for 12 months. I'd give up my home, my kids, and I'd go back to jail. Because the stress of even going and buying something in the shop can be so overwhelming. When you got sentenced 30 years ago or so and you were sentenced to penal servitude, you were entitled to a fucking acre of land, a cow and a suit when you were leaving jail. Today, when you go out of jail, you're entitled to a fucking bus ticket. Or a train pass. don't get money for a roll. Or for food. I know people that have got out of jail. And have gone into the corner shop from Mountjoy And robbed it. To go straight back into jail. Because there's nothing out here. Except homelessness and drugs for them. And that's fucking sad. So fucking sad. And I was 26. And I was thinking. Fuck man. I should have a job. I should have this. Me mates are married. This is at the Hampton. That's at the Hampton. And I thought. Fuck it. I got a forty grand claim six months before I got out. Spent ten years in jail. I should be entitled to go out for a year and blow that money and go on fucking holidays. And that's what I done. I went seven consecutive holidays and I fucking loved every minute of it. Then I got twenty-five grand and I blew that and I loved every fucking minute of it.
1: Through years of substance abuse, Matthew relies heavily on a mixture of medicines to keep his body alive, including different tablets and methadone. If he was to suddenly stop taking these medicines, his body would shut down. I don't like the idea of my brother being on methadone. Maybe because I would relate it to drug addicts out on the street. And my brother isn't one of those. I knew Matthew had a drug problem, but I wasn't aware of the scale of the issue.
0: From the age of 13 to 15, taking LSD for two years. And I remember being 15 and... My ma having a nervous breakdown because my paranoia had affected her that much that when a motorbike came up at the side of the car when she was driving with me and she thought I was going to be shot dead and her too. Methadone is a device for the government to fucking control the addicts. We're in Dublin. That's all it does is quietens the addict down, leaves him locked in his bedroom isolated, keeps him shut sure up, give him tablets, keep them in the house, no treatment centres should be the way, not jail, I'm fucking methadone someone to talk to. I question myself again today, was I born an addict, yeah I was born human but I was born with defects and as a result obsessive compulsive behaviour is a fucking defect of addiction, so I wouldn't class myself as an addict, i class myself as a human with defects that I'm challenged with on a daily basis One experience, I remember my daughter being born. And yet I remember having to turn on the toilet in fucking the Rotunda hospital. At the same time, 10 minutes before she was giving birth to. 20 minutes after she was born, I was rubbing the bracelet off some man's arm that was asleep. So that would have been 16 years ago. So that's where addiction brought me to. It brought me to a sneaky, sneaky little fucking teething bastard that would do anything to get one over on you but deep down underneath it all I was just a fucked up kid that didn't know any better
1: he believes his criminal past will stop him achieving his goals but in actuality he is the only one that's stopping him from progressing yeah
0: It does fuck you up your fucking criminal past, all right, it does. Because I always wanted to be a fireman. Can't be. Wanted to be a soldier. Can't be. I can achieve anything that I put my mind to. There is nothing and no one in this world that can stop me except my mind. And having that knowledge is power in itself. And its strength and courage all boiled up together. I want to compete in the over 40s bodybuilding. I'm 37 now, so I'm giving myself three years. I want to be clean off drugs. Um, I want to be off my 25 mils of methadone. I want to be off my 2 value And I'd like to be drug free come January, February. Has my life gotten any worse? don't think so. Have I gone back to jail in 10 years? No, this Christmas I'll be out the same amount of time that I've spent in jail. Actually in five weeks time I'll be out 10 years two months, the same as the time I spent in jail. I'll be able to say I'm out longer than I've been in jail. I've waited a long time for that. I firmly believe if I wasn't sexually abused I would have continued in school. I'd be like my brother a sports scientist, or I'd be like me other brother that was becoming a liar, or I'd be like my sister that's becoming a journalist. It was rarely perfect, but I was interfered by, by an external force.
1: Last December, my brother celebrated 10 years of freedom from prison and his family were so happy and proud of him. But his good fortune would be short-lived. Matthew's fight against addiction wasn't good enough. Shortly after this interview was recorded, he was forced to leave Ireland as a result of his life being in direct threat over drug debt. Matthew met his partner Mandy during one of his sentences at an aftercare recovery group. She is also an ex-drug user and has experienced abuse as a child. She's been clean for 20 years and has been trying to pull Matthew along. Mandy told me what had happened.
2: The week before Christmas, uh, Matthew was at the getting mixed up with uh, a chap in Blanchardstown, and I knew he was no good. And I said it to Matthew, Nothing good is going to come of you hanging around with this person. He ended up being a drug dealer of cocaine, and he was constantly in Matthew's house. And Matthew, being Matthew, didn't listen to me. He was saying, No, everything was grand. And Matthew. Deluded because he was taking drugs Thinking he was going to be a millionaire from selling drugs and So um, I went down to my sister's wedding on the 30th of December While I was down there I was getting text after text off Matthew and there were nasty texts And So on the way home from my sister's wedding on, the, on New Year's Eve I decided to drive down to his house to tell him that To delete my number, don't bother ringing me again I knew it was bad like, But when I pulled up on the road his windows were smashed So... I got a fright and um I said, Right, something bad's had to happen and so I looked in the window and the whole house was trashed. The first person around was a ma and I said, Have you heard from Matthew? And she said, No and I said, Look at him after pulling up outside his house, the whole house is smashed up. I said, I'm afraid that he's dead in the in the house because of what this person was like and um, she said, ring the police, and I said, no, I'll get in the window. So I got in the, the broken window, and I went into all the rooms, but I blessed myself before I opened the door in every room to pray that he wasn't lying in there dead. Thank God he wasn't. His phones were off, I couldn't get through to, any, to him or anything, so I drove down to my house, which is not far away from where he is, and um, and he slept in my cold shed that night. I felt broken-hearted. He was that in fear of his life that he slept in the cold shed. I said, look, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to have to sort out your life because this person is trouble and won't stop till they find you. When I was at home, I was terrified because I was thinking the way people walk, the way drug dealers walk now and criminals walk, if they're looking for someone and they can't find them, they go to the next person to them. So that was me. Do you know what I mean?
1: Matthew not only put his own life in danger, but the lives of everyone else around him, including mine. At 2am the next night, Mandy sent the love of her life and my mum sent her first-born son on a one-way ticket to England as a last resort and with the hope of saving his life.
2: I sat with Marie, his mum. She said, "Um, I'll get him a boat ticket to go to to England, to get out here and give him a second chance at life, Like you know what I mean? No one wanted him around the house because it was dangerous. He was living in fear of his life. Uh, His house was smashed up, so we got with a boat ticket and I brought him to the boat at two o'clock in the morning and then he went over to England. It it upset the whole the whole family, like your mother, especially because she had to give her son a one way ticket, which was the hardest thing she ever done. But she done it because to save his life, to give him a second chance. He's a 37 year old man. He's a strong man. He's well able to get out and work. He's very very intelligent, as you know. He was brought up with a good education. He wasn't dragged through the streets. He chose to do what he done when he was young and go out. Like he had the same opportunity as yourself and your brothers. He has a lot going for him. He's only young, he can still do a lot of things, so I don't know what's next for Macho, only Macho knows that. There's not an excuse in the world, there's not a reason out there to pick up drugs unless you want to. If I took up drugs today, it's because I chose to do it. Matthew was clean for a long time, so Matthew knows how to get clean again. Matthew knows what to do. Once I are clean once, they say you never use successfully again because you have a, a belly full of drugs and a head full of recovery.
1: I set out on this journey, hoping to find out more about my brother, Matthew, but it revealed more than what I was expecting. Yes, my brother is a drug addict and yes, he has a criminal past, but at the end of the day, he's human. This isn't the life he or my parents chose for him. Matthew gave me an insight into the desperate struggles of an addict by completely exposing his soul to me, and this is something that I'll always be grateful for. What's next for my brother? Only he knows. His life is completely in his hands now.